0: Well, that was Arcade Fire doing a uh, a little sarcastic tribute to our everything now culture. And you ever feel that way? Like you're behind, like you got to hurry up and, and get more done, do more, faster, faster, faster. And yet we live such burdened, stressed, worried lives, don't we? And why? Is there maybe a wiser way to be more productive, you know, but with less stress? And that's actually what we're going to talk about today. You know, we're in this series uh, looking at the wisdom of God through the Proverbs. We're talking about as we start this new year, how can we be smarter, faster, stronger? Yeah, all these things we want to be, but in wiser ways that actually make us better people. Because it doesn't always go that way, does it? And I've been challenging you to read a chapter a day of the Proverbs and a chapter a day of Matthew. The Proverbs being these pithy wisdom statements uh, in the Bible, but also Jesus' life lived out God's wisdom in human flesh. And so I hope you've been doing that. It should be on about chapter eight or so. Uh, If not, catch up. Get with us on there. But today we're talking about faster. Um, And we're talking about how can we be more productive with less stress. So Just to get us going, I want to give you a little diagnostic test, all right? Just to help you objectively see your current level of stress. Uh, So here's what I want you to do. I want you to mentally add or subtract points to see your current stress level, okay? So first, first question, if you often worry you won't get it all done that day, add 20 points in your mind, all right? Second question, if you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed, you can subtract 15 points, If you often say to yourself, I can't believe what time it is, (laughs) add 20 points. All right, if you've ever tried to bill your doctor for the time you spent waiting, (laughs) add 20 points. (laughs) If you have to clear out the passenger seat of your car for someone to sit down, add 15 points. If you have a hobby you enjoy, you can subtract those 15 points. All right, you keeping up? Anybody need a calculator? If your hobby, though, is taping pictures of your boss to a watermelon and throwing it from high places, you gotta subtract 50 points. If you've ever stared at your roommate or family member through the tines of a fork pretending they were in prison, (laughs) add 25 points. When in traffic, if you've ever mentally marked cars, yeah to see if which lane wins or you find yourself honking waving and directing people to warmer climates and yet you still claim you're relatively stress free you're in denial all right and for those of you who know your score relax it was a joke okay <laughs> but but there's a point here you know our world screams at us work harder harder faster stay busier do more hurry 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 faster 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 Yet so many of us live so stressed out, worried, uh, moving fast, but honestly wondering, are we getting where we need to go? Are we heading in the right direction even? You know, we're surrounded by sound, but we, we can never get quiet enough to figure out, you know, what really should our priorities be? And many of us, we're flying. I mean, we're hydroplaning across life, but we're hydroplaning across relationships, so we don't have any deep relationships. Maybe true success is not simply faster, 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 everything now. Maybe it's being wise about what we're trying to accomplish so fast and how we're actually going about it. And that's what I want to talk about today. How to be productive with less stress. Now, let me just say, I really like being productive. Uh, it's kind of my, my, my temperament, and over the years, uh, I have tried and I've failed and I've tried again, and I've learned a lot. I've read a lot of the best books and all the marketplace tips on how to use your time wisely and how to be more productive, and I've had years of being really productive and really hating my life, like really always feeling these things. You know, I don't have enough time, and where'd the time go, and always, you know, too busy and not enough time. And I've also applied God's wisdom in conjunction with some of these best practices, and I've had seasons of really worry-free, stress-free productivity where I look back and I think, I actually got more done, but more of the right things done. And, you know, so as I look back, I mean, I've accomplished a lot, but more importantly... Uh, I have a family that I love that loves me, kids that I love that I didn't neglect along the way. I have very close friendships. And at the end of the day, your work and your productivity will not love you back. People will love you back. So we have to get it all in perspective as we go. But I want to share some of the things that I've learned along the way about being productive at the right things with less stress, and think about what do you want to try to accomplish in 2018 and see if applying God's wisdom with some of these best practices wouldn't be better. So the first thing I've learned along the way is that productivity is good. It's not bad, it's good. You know, in in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, it says that when God created us, he created us male and female in his image to co-labor with him. In other words, we were created To work with God in stewarding the creation and serving humanity together. And and for that reason, it it honors God when we work and use our skills and abilities to serve God and to serve humanity and care for the creation. Now, we all get disconnected from God, so it all gets twisted up, but that was the original idea. That's why in, in Proverbs it says this, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son. He who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. Proverbs thirteen four says, Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. So work and, and productivity is good. It's God-honoring to set goals and to work hard, to not be a slacker, right? And there are lots of Proverbs that, that compare the diligent person to the lazy person. In fact, Solomon in the Proverbs gets a little personal about it in Psalm 6, 9, uh, Proverbs 6, 9. He says, How long will you lie there hitting snooze, you sluggard? <laughs> when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So Sam, productivity is good. You know, it's interesting. You know where we get our word professional from? You know, uh, we think of professional in one way, but it actually comes meaning a totally different thing. It was, it was created in the 16th century. Martin Luther and the reformers were trying to reform the church to actually align more with what the Bible and what Jesus actually taught. And it was revolutionary back then. Interestingly, just a little side note. Uh, do you know that in the 1930s, uh, an African-American pastor, traveled to Germany and studied Martin Luther. Um, His name was Michael King, and he was so impressed with the courageous reformations that Martin Luther made that he actually changed his name and changed the name of his five-year-old son, who we will honor tomorrow, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., another reformer. Interesting, isn't it? But anyway, back to the 16th century, Martin Luther believed that following Christ should impact every area of life and that how you work is a profession of what you believe about God. Profession, professional is someone who is professing their faith and how they worked and their productivity. Now, it's interesting because that biblical value was really um, what gave America its work ethic, and why we were so pro- productive for so many years. But you don't hear much about the value of diligence or hard work or working hard over the long haul anymore, do you? We're starting to lose that. What you hear more about is, you know, the, the four-hour work week. <laughs> and how to make millions quickly. Get rich quick. And, and how to have passive income so you don't ever have to work. But we're starting to lose something. That's the clickbait of our society. Now, I'll tell you, just as a pastor who cares about people, I have watched so many people over the last 20 years try to get rich quick, and I have never once seen it go well for them. I know sometimes it does. Most of the time, it ends up right where Proverbs predicts. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste, or get rich quick, leads to poverty. A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. You know, it says get, that get-rich-quick attitude backfires. And, and when we try to get-rich-quick, cutting ethical corners, it's a trap. And, and it'll catch you in a trap eventually. Because both violate the work, the dignity of, of work, of productivity, as a way to love and serve God and humanity. Do you see your productivity that way? You know, do you see what you do as a, as a way to love God and a way to serve Humanity, because if you do, it will transform, it'll transform your, your value of all you do, even at work. Well, let me share with you some of the wisdom of the Bible, combined with some of the best productivity tips uh, that I've tried over the years. Now, I, I put them into four P's, the four P's of productivity. Priorities, planning, people, and perspective. And I'll spend more time on the first two. So first, Priorities. You know, saying no to good things in order to say yes to better things is hands down the hardest thing about being productive. Because here's the thing, you are just a human. You're not God. You can't do it all. You're finite, which means that you have to figure out what to say yes and no to. You have to figure out what matters. But you know, Jesus did too. Jesus is God's representation in human flesh, but as a human, he still had to, had to face the same limitation, so he had to prioritize. You know, there's this passage I, I, I love, and I think it's Luke 4, where um, Jesus is healing people all day long. More and more people are coming. He works all day into the late at night. Then the next morning, he wakes up before the crack of dawn to go off and be alone with God. He made a priority first to be alone with his father. And it says that people started coming to him. They found him. And they said, come on, Jesus, you got to come heal more. More want you. And look at what he says. They tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. I mean, imagine how hard to say no to healing people in need. To say no to a good thing. To be able to say yes to a better thing. But for that, you have to know what you're called to do and Jesus did and that's why I've learned over the years if I don't spend time praying and really thinking through who has God made me to be and what has he created me to do and what should my priorities be the next year it's almost impossible to say no uh, to the right things and yes to the better things and and I'll tell you you know whether you're a stay-at-home parent or a mechanic, wait staff, doctor, computer programmer, pastor, it doesn't matter. If you don't prioritize for yourself, others will prioritize for you. Let me say that again. If you don't prioritize for yourself, others will prioritize for you. So you got to ask yourself some priority questions. What do I value most? You know, write those things down. Think about this. Ten years from now, What do I want to be true to me, true about me? What do I want to be true about me spiritually, about me relationally, about me physically? So set these priorities, so spiritual priorities. I mean, stop and think about this. Where do you wanna be with God? Where do you wanna be in terms of love and joy and peace 10 years from now, you know? Set some spiritual priorities. And remember along the way, you know, you can accomplish a whole lot and miss the very purpose of your existence. And that's why you gotta, you gotta set priorities about your relationship with God. It says this in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. We're his work. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. See, don't forget this. Jesus came to reconnect every willing human back to the God who created them. So, we could co-labor with God to do this beautiful, unique work that only you can do. Now, what is it? Well, that's a little more difficult to figure out because what we've got to do is we've got to ongoing, daily seek God. But he promises if we do that, then we will accomplish that work. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he'll show you which path to take. Now some of you are asking, well, why didn't he just tell me? Why didn't he just tell me? You're supposed to do this and then I can go do it. That's exactly why he didn't tell you. Because we have a propensity, once we know, is just leave him alone and we'll go do it. Thank you. But our first purpose of being created is relationship with God, to co-labor with him. So he wants us to learn how to trust and follow him, promising that he'll guide us to accomplish the unique purpose he put us here for, but without the burden. And that's the beauty of following his wisdom. So set spiritual priorities. Then you got to set relational priorities. You know what I've realized over the years? A lot of people can do my job. A lot of people can start a church. A lot of people can lead this church. Uh, a lot of people can do your job, but no one else can. Can be a father to my kids. No one else can be a spouse to my wife, hopefully. That's the goal, right? (laughs) No one else can be a brother or a son. The most unique thing about you are those close relationships that you have. Do you realize that? And so you have to prioritize building into them, which means putting time in your calendar to say no to things that try to crowd them out as a priority. And then physical priorities. This would be work. This would be projects and accomplishments. And you got to set those big priorities first. What do you want the priority to be 10 to 20 years from now? You got to start with the end in mind or or you'll never get there. Now with God, you can dream big. This is the beauty of of including God in on your plans and your dreams because you can risk because you have nothing to lose when you're right with him. A you know, great story of this, seven years ago, Philip Tony, um, his, his real estate business was crashing. Uh, he was afraid that he didn't, he didn't know if he would know where to get the next meal. Um, and about that time, a coworker invited him to Gateway. He started coming, he came to faith here. Then he got in a life group, he started to grow, started to serve, and he had been in the restaurant business and, and had a passion for cooking, and an opportunity came up uh, to open his own commercial kitchen. And it was right about the time we talked about dreaming big with God, and he went for it. And started the, the lighthouse, which is, uh, you know, a kitchen that's just right down the street here. And this Christmas morning, my family and many of you helped Philip deliver meals to people, Christmas dinner to people who were in need, who couldn't have a meal otherwise. And listen to what Philip tweeted. Christmas morning. Seven years ago, I was wondering where my next meal would come from. This Christmas, God has used us to prepare and deliver a thousand meals to people in need. Isn't that cool? Awesome. But I bet he never thought that seven years ago. See, dream big with God. So first you dream big, you set your priorities, but then you need a plan. That's wise. Planning. Planning. So most people have a dream, not everyone has a plan. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream, right? It was a God-sized dream. And we know his I have a dream speech about justice and fairness and equality for all people, right? But he didn't just have a dream, he had a plan too. Another thing that he said, when evil men plot, good men must plan. And Dr. King planned marches, he planned petitioning congressmen, he, he organized a grassroots movement, right, with the, based on the value of nonviolence, and then equipped people, and literally had an organization of people willing to lay down their lives. And it was following that plan that made the dream become a reality. So yes, we dream, but then we need to plan. Benjamin Franklin's often attributed the proverb, failing to plan is planning to fail. Why is that? Well, here's why. Because busyness, worry, stress, fear is your greatest enemy to productivity. Let me say that again because we don't get this very... Stress, worry, and busyness and fear are your greatest enemy in whatever you're trying to do. And, and so what we've got to do is we've got to plan, but we also have to trust God along the way. A person plans his ways, Proverbs 16:9 says... But the Lord directs his steps. Ephesians 5.15 also gives us wisdom. It says, So then be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of your time, because the times are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And in Proverbs 24.27, it says, Do your planning and prepare your fields before building your house. See, it's wise to plan along with God. You would never build a house, it says, without planning. Why would you build your future without planning Then, I mean, can you imagine building a house without planning? I mean, imagine like, well, I thought what we would do is just like hook up all the plumbing and then turn on the water and see where it goes. And then we can rearrange it from there. You'd never do that, right? You would end up with, with, you know, too much water in this room, not enough water in that room, this room gets flooded because the pipe didn't come out where the tub was. <laughs> you would never build a house without planning. So why build your life without planning? So first, you get your priorities, your vision straight, and then you got, you got to set goals. Now, what I've learned over the years, not too many goals. I used to set three goals in all three areas of, you know, spiritual, relational, and physical. Too many I just now set one stretch goal in each area, all right? What's a stretch goal? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to show you, all right? Now, I'm going to need two volunteers, preferably volunteers who have tennis shoes or some kind of shoes you can jump in, okay? Do I have two volunteers? Come on, all right, here's one. Another one? Come on, man. Come on, somebody. All right, all right, we got two volunteers. Thank you. Awesome. Tell everybody your name. John. John Caleb. and Caleb. All right. Come over here, guys. So here's what I want you to do. Um, all right. John, why don't you start? I'm sorry. John, okay. John. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, John. Stand on the line right there. All right. And uh, Blanca is going to mark how far you can jump. Okay. So I, I want you to just jump as far as you can. All right. As far as you can. Yeah. No, no we're going start. Just jump as far as you can. Excellent. Okay, leave it there. All right, Mark, mark him with some tape right there. Just keep your heel there for a second. Oh, you, you, you gave him too much there. Come on, back of the heel, back of the heel. Did, did he give you money, Blanca? All right, all right, there we go. That's good. That's good. We're in different age brackets. Okay, now Caleb. I just want you to jump as far as you can, okay? Don't feel like you need to beat John or anything. I mean, there's no pressure. <laughs> Thousand people watching all over the world, but don't worry about that, all right? So jump as far as you can, all right? You can get your... Well, go ahead. Well, look at that. Oh, man. Okay, John, I'm going to give you another chance, all right? <laughs> I, I'm going to give John a chance. Give him... Give him a, he's got a mark right there. Look at that. All right. Okay, John, you think you can be, let's cheer him on. Come on, get, come on. Let's go, let's see what you can do, John. Here we go. Oh, look at that. All right, he got it. Beat his original mark right there. Now, Caleb, I'm going to give you a chance to beat all those marks. you think you can do it? Yeah. All right, let's see it. Let's see it. Get up to that line, stretch it out. You can get up to the line. There you go. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see what you can do. Oh! Wow. Okay, now I got a question for you guys. I first asked you to jump as far as you could. Uh So here's where you went. Right here. And look how far you could actually go. What made the difference? Competitive edge and pushing each other. Pushing each other. Competitive edge. A stretch goal. You saw visually what you could stretch to and you beat it, all right? Let's, let's thank our jumpers. <laughs> and, and this is something fascinating about human nature, that we can always do more than we think we can when we have a goal to visualize that stretches us. That's what a stretch goal is. And, and, and so, what we need to do is set... A stretch goal for ourselves. You know, it's interesting. In 1993, Jack Welch, who was the CEO of General Electric, traveled to Japan and learned a story that after World War II, you know, Japan was devastated. They were trying to rebuild their economy. And most of the people lived either in Tokyo or Osaka, 320 miles apart, separated by rugged mountains. And, and the ministers of Japan realized we need transportation to connect all these people. So they got their best engineers together and they said, design the world's fastest train. And six months later, the best engineers, they came back with a train that, that would go 65 miles per hour. It was the world's fastest train. And um, the, minister, the minister of transportation said, make it go 120 miles per hour said incremental change will not transform our nation. 120 miles per hour. They said impossible. A a train going that fast will derail. It won't stay on the tracks making a turn. Why does it have to make a turn? Because of the mountains. Tunneled through the mountains. And kept pushing all their assumptions with this stretch goal. They went away. Two years later, they came back and had the prototype for the bullet train. Which ended up exceeding 120 miles per hour average. And then they started bullet trains all over Japan, connected it, created this frenzy of economic activity that spurred this expansion in the 1980s in Japan. Bullet trains today can go over 200 miles per hour. Jack Welch took that idea of a stretch goal, came back and transformed GE with it. So a good stretch goal makes you rethink, makes you let go of old paradigms and assumptions, makes you jump farther than you thought you really could. So what's a stretch goal that you could set in these different areas? It's a longer-term goal that's not comfortable, but it's good. It's somewhere between impossible and realistic that makes you really rethink things. I'll tell you, for me, the very first stretch goal I set was writing a book. Um, It was actually in 1992, uh, actually 91, uh, that I set this goal. Now, that was a stretch goal for me because... um, I studied engineering at UT. I made almost all A's in engineering. I made one C in college in writing composition. <laughs> and my professor, and this is not a joke, my professor said at the, after the final, Well, it's just a good thing you're gonna be an engineer and not a writer. <laughs> so it was scary to me. That was a stretch goal. And I set a, a goal to write a book. And by the end of 1993, I wrote a book and tried to get it published, tried to get it published, didn't get published. It wouldn't be till 2003, 10 years later, that I actually got published. Which is also why as you do the stretch goal, you got to consider God's timing in it. But since then, I've written four books and they've been translated into 20 languages. So God actually had a plan and a purpose for it. And see, you don't be afraid of those stretch goals. Dream with God. Because you never know what he's going to do in time with you. Now, then you've got to break that big stretch goal into bite-sized weekly or monthly SMART goals. What's a SMART goal? Let me tell you. SMART, first, specific, okay? S-M-A-R-T, specific. In other words, not I'm gonna become an author. That's not specific, that's vague. But I will write the outline by this time. That's specific. Not I wanna get healthy this year, but I'm gonna lose 15 pounds. That's specific, all right, And then M, measurable. So you got to be able to quantify, did I reach my goal? Not I'm going to get healthy or I'm going to sell more, but I'm going to run five miles a week for this amount of time. Or I'm going to sell 20% more this year than I did last year. That's quantifiable. It's measurable. Then action-oriented, A. Action-oriented means the best goals propel you into action. What's the, what's the action you're going to take as a result of this goal? And then R, realistic So this balances your stretch goal that may feel impossible with SMART goals that are more realistic in weekly or monthly increments. So for instance, you know, not just I'm going to write a book, but I'm going to write a book by the end of 2018. And I'm going to write the outline by February 1st. I'm going to write chapter one by March 1st. And then you got to put it into a calendar. And literally, this is how I made a dream of writing a book a reality. I put in my calendar... Two hours, 6 to 8 a.m., and I wrote two hours before work every day. And if you don't put these smart goals into your calendar, other things will take priority. Loth and uh, uh, Locke and Latham, who did a study on setting goals, said this Some 400 laboratory and field studies show that specific high goals lead to a higher level of performance. Smart goals often unlock the potential that people don't even realize they possess. And that's important. Making yourself break a goal into its smart components is the difference between hoping something will come true and figuring out how to actually do it. So priorities, planning, then quickly, people. Proverbs 15 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. See, if we really want to be productive, we'll get wise, trusted people in our lives and, and we'll tell them our goals and they'll encourage us and they'll hold us accountable. Now at work, your boss will be glad to hold you accountable, right? But what about with your personal goals? You know, this is what we call spiritual running partners around here. We try to find, you know, one or two people, maybe in a life group of eight to 12 people, but one or two spiritual running partners who we can talk about these things and they'll pray for us and they'll encourage us. And, and, you know, that is really important if you really want to hit those goals that you're setting out for yourself. You need discipline for them. You know, the, the word discipline is used in the Bible a lot. It's always the word paideia, which means to train a child. See, discipline is not about punishment. It's about training. You train a child in the way she should go, and then she gains self-discipline. She can do the right things for herself. And you need self-discipline, or you need to borrow discipline to hit those goals. Now, let me just address something for a second. I know that some of you have been tanking this whole talk, all right? There's some of you who have just been like, oh, you're just sinking down in your seat because dreaming, goal setting, accomplishment, it just makes you feel cruddy, right? And I want to say, first of all, I get it. I really do. I get it. You know, some some of us have faced so many obstacles in life. We feel like we've been beaten down or every time we set out, something pounds us or, you know, and you finally just decided, you know, like, if I don't dream and set goals, I won't be disappointed when I don't meet them. (laughs) And honestly, I get that. I've been through whole seasons of years where I felt that way. And you know what I realized? Sometimes our goal just needs to, to heal. That needs to be our goal. You know, there have been seasons when I just needed to set the goal of healing. And I want to encourage you, too, to do that if you need to. You know, you hopefully received this Restore flyer when you came in. We're about to start classes in two weeks that can help uh, in many areas of healing. And maybe if you're tanking, thinking about this right now, maybe that's the goal you need to set out for. Or or maybe it makes you tank because you've never really had self-discipline. Well, look, then borrow it. Find some spiritual running partners and have them praying for you and have them help give you that structure, that discipline that you don't have until it's your own. And it will become your own. It will be your own eventually. Says in Proverbs, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but those who heed correction gain understanding. So priorities, planning, people, and finally, perspective. Keep God's perspective on all your goals. Don't achieve to prove what you're worth. Achieve because God's already said you're worth everything to him. See, the first is motivated out of fear. The second's motivated out of love. And love will always accomplish more because it's free to risk. It's free to try and fail and learn. The second perspective is you have enough time to accomplish all God's put you on this earth to do. Isn't that great news? You have enough time to do what you were created to do. So don't worry. God actually does not want us to worry. He wants us to seek him, even in our priorities and our planning. You know, I spent a lot of of my work life stressed and worried and burdened until I finally realized reading the scriptures, it's wrong. It's sin. God doesn't want us living worried and burdened. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, that thing that ox used to, to work, and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you're feeling burdened, God's not putting that on you, you're putting that on you. Let him take it off, and let him show you how to be more productive with less worry, with less burden. It is a better way. Well, I'm going to turn it over to our campuses now. And before we sing this last song here at North, um, I'd like to just pray for your new year and uh, pray for your productivity. But I'd also like to ask you to pray for something with me. You know, I don't know if you've paid attention in the news, but there are these mudslides going on in Santa Barbara, where I used to live. You know, the fires wiped out the, the forest, And now mudslides are literally taking more lives, I think, than were taken in Harvey. And I called my friends, have all had to evacuate. They know people who are still missing, but people are being found still alive. So would you just join me and let's pray for them. God, we do just uh, lift up the people in Santa Barbara um, who are going through uh, just this apocalyptic kind of mudslides where people are, homes are being washed away and people are being buried alive in it or trapped in their houses. And God, I pray that you would be with those first responders. Give them courage, give them hope. Help them continue to find people like that three-year-old girl who was buried in the mud but rescued and they brought her back to life, God. And I pray for others who are trapped or who are missing, Lord. Help them be found. Be with Be with them. Give them hope. And God, as we head into this new year, I want to thank you for your wisdom. Your wisdom found in the Bible. Your wisdom found in um, just best practices of wise time management. But God, help us not to get wise time management ahead of wise living. Following you in prioritizing and setting our plans in place, but trusting you with them. God, help us to be the productive people you created us to be. And that means not stressed, worried, and burdened people, but people who do the right things in the right way. And I pray that for us in Jesus' name. Amen.